Hey, everybody, you can go ahead and have a seat. We'll start once Jason gets off the stage here. Okay. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row, bud. <laughs> so I want to start off service today the same way we did last week, just by clapping for our setup team. Yeah. So yeah, two weeks in a row we've had snow, and uh, two weeks in a row the setup team's gotten here in the cold, the snow and the ice, and they've uh, set everything up for us. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Riley Weaver. I'm one of the ministers here at Plainfield Christian Church. Welcome to the Reunion Campus. We're glad you're all here, especially uh, just with the snow and the ice and everything. Glad you came out today. We are in the third week of our sermon series. It's called Move. And what we're doing is we're going through the book of Acts. Uh, it's a book in the Bible, and we're looking at different stories uh, about how God asked the early church to move. And we're doing that because we believe that the first church is kind of like the example of what we should live by. That's the way we want our church to look. And the truth is, God has always been asking his followers to go and do crazy things for his kingdom. Those of you who know me know this. I talk about it a lot. But when I was in college, I studied abroad in Morocco. Got a lot of stories from that trip. It was crazy. Uh, and kind of the way it went down, I was in language school for six weeks, then I went on vacation in Spain, and then I came back after that little break to the city where I was going to live for the next six months. And um, just for the sake of the story, my friend Aaron, uh, he was there with me through this whole thing. So when Aaron and I moved to this new city, um, we actually chose to move there because of some friends we had. We were going to be working with them and doing some different things with them. Uh, well, when we moved to that city, they all went on vacation for a month, and we were just kind of left alone in Morocco, 4,400 miles away from home by ourselves for a month. Uh, we survived. You know, we found an ATM machine. We had money. Uh, found some grocery stores, some restaurants, and we knew enough of the language to get by. So at the end of the day, we were okay. But there was a few times where uh, we were in situations that we were definitely unprepared for. Got invited to a couple Moroccan weddings. Uh, they're awesome, but they start at 10 p.m. and end at 6 a.m. It's just the way they do things there. Uh, I'm you know, early to bed, early to rise kind of person. So when you go to bed at 9 p.m., going to a wedding at uh, 10 p.m., it's, it's just something you're not prepared for. Probably uh, the thing that we were most unprepared for uh, is what I'm about to tell you here. So our American friends, they had some plants, and they were gone for a month. They wanted us to water their plants so that they wouldn't die. So we go to their house one day. Uh, they have a friend who has the keys to their house who comes and lets us in. We water the plants. And uh, one thing you gotta know about every Moroccan house is there is an inner door and an outer door. The inner door is kind of like your front door. And then the outer door is kind of like, a, it's a gate, like a see-through metal gate. And then there's some standing area in between there so that you can open your door and see uh, you know, who's at the door before you actually let them into your house. Well, as we were leaving, somehow uh, we, we shut the inner door, and then uh, as Aaron was leaving, somehow the outer door got shut on me. Uh, so all of a sudden, and it, the outer door lock actually ended up breaking, just a freak accident. I have no clue how it happened, but I was locked in between this inner door and outer door in our friend's house. 
They left us with an emergency phone number. Uh, I'm realizing that my parents are sitting in this room and they may not have heard this story, so we'll see how that goes later. <laughs> but I'm getting a head shake over here, but it's not the only story they don't know about that trip. But uh, So we called our friend's emergency number and uh, nobody answered. <laughs> so uh, good thing it wasn't a real emergency. And uh, the only other thing we knew to do was call our Moroccan friend, Mohammed. He spoke English, so we were able to communicate with him really well. Well, he takes Aaron, who's outside the door, and they go to a hardware store. They buy some tools and a new lock for the door. So, you know, they start messing with it. Somehow they manage to get the lock out. Um, but then they realize when they get the lock out um, that the lock was broken, but the Moroccan sun had made the door, the metal gate so hot that we actually couldn't open it. Um, so, you know, I was on the inside pushing. They were on the outside pulling. I mean, it's three young guys and we couldn't get the door open. So I'm stuck. I'm, what am I going to do? Uh, so what they end up doing is Mohammed takes Aaron back to the hardware store and they buy a crowbar and they just break the door off. Uh, true story that actually happened. Our friends were cool with it. <laughs> they, they were renting, so uh, <laughs> it was what it was. <laughs> We were really grateful for our friend Muhammad in that situation uh, because honestly, without him, we wouldn't have known what to do. We needed somebody who knew what they were doing, somebody who understood the language, knew where to go because otherwise, I mean, I might still be stuck inside that inner and outer door. I think a lot of times we feel the same about being Christians. Uh, we know what we want to do, we know what we need to do, but we just don't know how to get there. Sometimes we're not sure what that next step is. And I think that's especially the case when we talk about evangelism. I think, you know, you hear it all the time. We've got to share the gospel with our neighbors and friends. We've got to love lost people. Uh, but unless that's something you do all the time, uh, sometimes it's just hard to get started. Maybe you don't know where to start. So here's a question for you, and this is a rhetorical question. What is one word that you would use to describe what God gives you? In other words, when I say God gives you blank, what would you say? What's the first word that comes to your mind? My guess is that some of you thought salvation. Maybe some of you thought something like hope or joy. Maybe others of you thought community. Another word that we can think of is power. But unfortunately, I don't think that's the word that comes to our head most of the time. And I include myself in that. I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to move from uncertain to empowered, because that's what he did with his church from the very beginning. So let's take a look at our story today in Acts 2. I'm going to start reading in Acts 2.1. And the word should be up on the screen here. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So here's the background of this story. About two months before this story, Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead. And he met with his followers over a period of 40 days. He met with the disciples and some others. And uh, what he told them to do is that he wanted them to go to Jerusalem and to wait because God was gonna show them what to do next. 
So what we see is all those followers are waiting in Jerusalem for God to show them what is next. It was also the Feast of Pentecost. It's a really important detail. Because that meant that thousands of Jews from literally all over the world at that time were in Jerusalem celebrating the harvest. So here's what, hap- what happened next. Acts 2, 1 through 12. It says, Suddenly a sound like a, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of, them hear, each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthian, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygria, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, saying they've had too much wine. So all of Jesus' followers were together waiting, just like Jesus had asked them to do. And then suddenly they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden they started speaking in tongues. That means new languages that they didn't know before. And Jews from all over the world, the ones that were there in Jerusalem, they were amazed because they heard them hearing, they heard them speaking their own languages. They heard them proclaiming God's praises in their own languages. And I like the question that those people asked. The people who heard them speaking all of these other languages asked the question, what does this mean? I want to pause there because sometimes I think we feel the same way about the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a few minutes to tell you a little bit about the Holy Spirit. There's a couple things you need to know. And we're just going to scratch the surface here. I'm not a professional theologian, but there's a couple things that I want you to know. First, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's an individual. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I know that uh, some of you are too. I won't name any names. Uh, But there's this thing in Star Wars called the Force. You should all know what the Force is because you should have all seen all the Star Wars movies. But I I know the world isn't a perfect place, so I'm going to go ahead and explain what it is. So the Force is this energy that unites all living things in Star Wars. I want to say the Holy Spirit is not like the force. He's not a feeling or an energy. The Holy Spirit is an individual. He has a mind of his own. And that's why we refer to the Holy Spirit as he, not it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's an individual. Second, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. That's what the Bible teaches. We believe in this concept called the Trinity. That means that there is one God, but that God... uh, exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And third, and this is the main thing I want you to get today, the Holy Spirit gives you power. Last week, we talked about Acts 1.8. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The next bit of our story today shows us what that power looks like. Acts 2, 13 through 16 says, Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And after Peter says that, he goes on to preach the first Christian sermon ever. Peter probably wasn't the guy that I would have picked to preach that first sermon. Uh, and that's for a couple different reasons. Earlier uh, in the story, you remember how the people said, these guys are just Galileans. Well, Galilee was a rural area way north of Jerusalem. To the people in Jerusalem, the Galileans would have been rednecks, and Peter probably would have been uneducated. Even worse, Peter had denied Jesus and had abandoned him before he was crucified. In spite of all that, the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say, and he gave, them, gave him the boldness to say them. Here's the next part of what Peter said. It's Acts 2, 29 through 39. Peter said, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are his witnesses to all of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I have made your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He goes on. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then it says in Acts 20, 40 and 41, with many words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I think this whole story is crazy. Peter, of all people, he confronted the Jews, his own people, uh, and told them that they were to blame for killing Jesus. I think that's pretty bold because they literally just killed Jesus. And I bet some people wanted to kill all of his followers too. So that was pretty bold. Even crazier, after hearing that sermon, 3,000 people became Christians that day. That would be like if all of Plainfield Christian Church didn't exist yesterday and then today it just existed, like all of us were baptized in one day. Here's what I want you to learn from this story. Here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit in Peter is the same Holy Spirit in you. That's something that we've got to keep in mind. 
The Holy Spirit is in you if you've been baptized. He has saved you and he's sanctified you. He's working to make you a better person. But you've also got to remember that the Holy Spirit has sent you. He wants you to move for God's kingdom. He wants you to do crazy things for God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit wants you to be a witness for him, just like Peter. But you need to rely on his power to do that. Last week, we talked a little bit about the church's new vision. The vision statement is just simply impacting homes by opening hours. And that means we want to be a more hospitable church, both on Sunday mornings uh, and throughout the week by opening our homes. If you weren't here last Sunday, I recommend you watch that sermon uh, just so you can learn a little bit more about what we're talking about. I just want to be honest. We know that this vision is going to be difficult. Uh, You know, being hospitable on Sunday morning is one thing, but being hospitable throughout the week, opening our homes and our lives to people, that's hard. That takes time. That can be uncomfortable. And that's why the Holy Spirit is important. We know that we're going to need the Holy Spirit to make this work. So here's my question for you, something I want you to think about. What makes you uncertain? What are you uncertain about in your life? Is there anything you're uncertain about? Is there anything in this vision that makes you uncertain? Do you feel like there's something you can't do? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So my challenge for you today is to rely on the Holy Spirit. And what I really want you to do, and this is something we're asking everybody in all of our venues to do today, is just to take the next step of hospitality. Here are three things we suggest you do to get started. And Josh and April, can you pass the things right now? Thanks. So first, you're going to get one of these uh, grids, if I can find it in my pocket. One of these grids. This is just a tool to help you pray. Right in uh, the middle of this grid, we've got our new PCC logo, logo, and uh, I'll explain that in a minute. And then around the grid, there's these empty boxes. Well, imagine this uh, logo in the middle is your house. Can you name all of the people around you there? Uh, You know, maybe this could even be your desk at work. Can you name all the people around you there? Our challenge for you is just to use this grid, write some names in there, and start praying for those people. Pray that the Holy Spirit will use you in the lives of those people. Pray that he'll show you what to do. Pray that he'll give you boldness to take that next step. So like I just said, the center of this grid is our church logo. Uh, Right now, we've got a video that we want to show you just explaining uh, kind of the logic behind that. Hi, everyone. My name is Kyle Ferguson, and I am the media arts director here at the church. I get to work with a great team of people doing communications here, and we've been hard at work behind the scenes ever since we got to hear the vision from our leaders. One of the things that we have been working on is a logo, 
And as many of you may know, there's a lot more to a logo than what you see on the surface. So I wanted to take a few moments and explain that to you all. For the last several years, the tree has been part of our logo. It's symbolic of life and growth in Christ and a nod to the founders of Plainfield Christian Church who began meeting way back in 1829 under a grove of trees. Of course, there are some things that will never change even with a new vision for our church. The foundation of Plainfield Christian Church is and will continue to be Christ. Another thing that will not change is our purpose of loving all people to new life in Christ. We commit to doing that through our priorities of loving God through faithful worship, growing deeper in God's word and in fellowship with his people, serving one another in love, and reaching lost people around us and around the world. While our purpose and priorities remain the same, our methods for accomplishing them are changing. We believe that God has you in your community, neighborhood, and workplace for a reason, and that's to impact those around you with the love of Jesus. You see, the church is not really a building on the corner of Dan Jones and Township Line. You are the church to those that God has placed in your life. We believe that opening our lives to those people through hospitality is our pathway to connecting people to the love of Christ and that our homes are the best vehicle for accomplishing this. This vision helps us to recapture the spirit and the vitality of the first century church that we read about in the book of Acts. These people used their homes and whatever resources God entrusted to them, and scripture tells us that their numbers increased daily. We believe that the Holy Spirit can use us in a similar way as we open our homes and lives to those around us. Opening our family home is part of this vision, but we also believe that opening our church home to our community and hospitality is an extension of God's hospitality that he's shown towards us. This new logo is a simple design that represents the simplest way of transforming our community through impacting homes by opening ours. Awesome, I love that new logo. The second thing we want you to do after you pray is just to consider dedicating your home to this vision. We want you to spend some time praying about this vision, asking the Holy Spirit to empower you, and then you know just taking the next step and dedicating your home. You can do this by going to mypcc.info slash vision. And here's a picture of uh, where you can do that at. We want you to pr prayerfully consider doing this so that we uh, know how our church is gonna impact the community through opening their homes. We're gonna make a big map at the Dan Jones campus that's gonna have uh, little pins all over it that show specifically where each home that has been dedicated is. So I'd just love for you to consider that. Highly encourage you to do it. And finally, this is, uh, this is what it all comes down to. We just encourage you to start practicing hospitality. Take your next step in hospitality. Be intentional. Maybe this is simply just committing to pray for your neighbors. If you're already doing that, maybe this is committing to have a neighbor over for dinner sometime soon. Maybe if you're to do that, consider having a neighbor over once a week. You know, if you're not even there yet, maybe this is just simply going door to door and learning all of your neighbors' names. Whatever that is, I just want to encourage you to be intentional about this. 
you know, our leaders introduced this vision, I think it was last January, uh, probably a year ago around this time. And um, we've been journeying with it. We've been living with it. And I think the more and more we talk about it, the more and more we really think that uh, this is just a great way to reach our community. Uh, we're, we're a blessed community. You know, there, we've got a lot of great things, but we know that there's a lot of lonely people. There's a lot of lost people. And we think that by opening our homes, by inviting those people into our lives, allowing them to see the way that we live, the way that we honor Christ, uh, that's just one of the best things that we can do to really introduce some of those people to Jesus and show them his love, maybe for the first time. I'm going to pray for you, and uh, then we'll continue with service. Jesus, thanks so much for everything you've done. Thank you for showing us hospitality first. We know that our sin kept us out of your father's house, but that you died on the cross so that we could be with him forever. Lord, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit so that we can have power, so that we can be bold. Lord, just give us the words to say. Help us to know the next step uh, so that we can really impact homes by opening ours. Lord, we love you so much.